It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Three, two, one. Release, release, release. Clean release. Ignition. Good rocket motor burn. And 60 seconds. And that is a full duration burn, folks. We are headed to space. And the passengers in the back have been cleared to unstrap. Our predicted apogee is 279,000 feet and climbing. It's going to initiate a backflip for Spaceship Unity. This is normal. We want those windows pointed down towards the Earth to maximize that incredible view. There it is. It happened. Uh, We have passenger uh, civilian space travel to a degree, and it happened over the weekend on Sunday. It happened in New Mexico. Went up to the sky uh, 50 uh, 50 miles into the sky, and that was enough to go officially into space and back. And what does it mean? Because the same plane that was shot into the sky landed flawlessly, smoother than the most airplanes that I could tell, and Richard Branson was on the inside. Not an astronaut, but now has his astronaut wings, and he was uh, as high as a kite yesterday, not because of drugs, but because he was actually in space and his goal was reached. Daryl Nail knows all about getting into space and back. He's been covering this for years as a reporter, as an expert, and now working uh, for, as a launch commentator for NASA. Daryl Nail, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. And of course, everybody in WDBO, our great affiliate in Orlando, is uh, is used to hearing from you as OKV2, but you used to work there. But now you live there and working for NASA so for you guys, for you guys who do this regularly, what did Richard Branson's uh, Virgin vehicle do for you? I tell you, it was uh, you know first of all from just a just a human perspective, watching that uh, coverage yesterday, uh, personally for me, it was just exciting, right? Uh, because this is um, we trained astronauts for years, two years, two to two and a half years, to go on missions and. My understanding is that, uh, you know, in order to fly on one of the Virgin Galactic space planes, it doesn't require uh, that kind of training. Um, and so it, it, what it does is not only was it exciting to see, but it feels like it opens. It's, it's the dawn of the space tourism era. It feels like it's going to open that up for all the rest of us eventually. Now, to be sure, these uh, these vehicles that are flying now that the, the billionaires are are building, um, from what I've seen, you know, they, they, they cost a fair amount. But ultimately, that, that cost will come down. And now we're talking about space for people who really want to fly into space. And to me, that, that, that's the stuff that childhood dreams are made of. I think Branson even said it uh, in his press conference, you know, he said uh, – he never did he imagine. He dreamed about going to space as a kid, but in his wildest dreams, he couldn't imagine that the experience he had when he was up there mm-hmm. for five minutes floating around the inside of his space plane would be what he experienced. He just never imagined it. And so imagine if if uh, space becomes accessible to all of us. This is the beauty of these billionaires uh, investing in space. It increases access. And look, NASA has, uh, you know, agreements with Elon Musk, who, um, of course, uh, owner and founder of SpaceX, um, 
we rely on them to get our own astronauts up to the International Space Station and back. And we're going to start bringing Boeing online as well. So um, there's a lot of benefit uh, to, I think they were called space barons by, uh, by a columnist uh, for, for a national newspaper. Um, maybe that's appropriate term for them. I think in, in the end, we all benefit, Brian. No, I hear you, Daryl. And it gets interest because the hardest thing is for the American people who are everybody's budget conscious, cutting budgets, oh, let's just cut space because we're not going to miss what we don't have yet. You know, it's not like we're going to say we can't go to Mars anymore. No, well, we've never been at Mars. We sent a probe up there. Then America's attention turns to it. But when you spend all of a Sunday, and that was the number one story, and then next week Jeff Bezos is going to say, I'm going to go higher, and I'm going to blast off more traditionally. I'm not going to be launched from a plane or from a craft that was already in the air. Now all of a sudden we have debate, and then we wonder when we can do it. We understand that they, Jeff, if we're to believe Richard Branson, I don't know why we wouldn't, he's got about 60 customers who have paid $600,000 for the right to be in space for a very short time, to have that free fall and to be able to look through the glass down back at Earth. Is that worth it? (laughs) Well, apparently it's worth it to them. Uh, You know, I I can only tell you this from – what our astronauts say when they come back from space. And it's consistent, Brian. They all, almost all of them say the same thing. After going up to the International Space Station, which is 250 miles above Earth's surface and uh, orbit around the Earth, they come back and and they all say pretty much a, a, a variation on this theme. And that is, when I go up there, when I was up there and I looked back at Earth, through the windows of the International Space Station. And I saw this little blue marble, uh, you know, out in this vast blackness of space. It really helped me appreciate a couple of things. And usually it's two things that they say. Number one, first of all, you see this world without borders. There are no lines drawn in, in, that you can see from that vantage point. You see one Earth, you see one planet. The second thing is, they see a, a place that is fragile, right? You look to the horizon, you see that thin blue atmosphere. It looks thin from up in space. And you think, you know, space is inhospitable to human life. And though we are looking for places out there in our galaxy and beyond to try to find life, be it either carbon-based like our uh, system on the Earth or some other life system, we haven't found it yet, we're looking. Um, but it tells you that we're all in it together, right? That's our planet. We better care for it. We better take care of it. And we better take care of each other. Right. And also, you got to look out. Uh, China, uh, not on the same page, and they're catching up. There's a cutter put a probe into Mars, too. I want you to hear Richard Branson said about his fellow billionaires. Cut 10. It really wasn't a race. Um, you know, but um, we're, we're just delighted that everything went so fantastically well. Um, we wish uh, Jeff the absolute best uh, and, and his, the people are going up with him j- during his flight. You know, it was great um, this morning to, yeah, to find Elon in my, in my kitchen at 3 o'clock and to come to wish us, wish us the best. Um, so, nice, so nice of him to come all this way to w- wish us well. And um, had a lovely goodwill message from Jeff as well. And... I mean, so many incredible people around the world and and so, so grateful. So what do you think? I mean, this is more, it sounds a friendly rivalry. They're saying the right things. But Bezos says he's going to have a much more elaborate 
uh, launch. Could you describe where he's going and why some people say that Branson didn't actually get into space? Well, for us here in America and here in the United States, we recognize, you know, 50 miles up as, you know, the edge of space. Um, Internationally, uh, it's the Kármán line, which is 62 miles above Earth's surface. So there's the difference in how you see space. And really, a lot of this comes down to international treaties and and how countries uh, use space and share uh, space and communicate with each other about being in these areas. And so, you know, uh, it's funny, you know, you hear him talk about how Elon, you know, came to visit him and and Jeff Bezos uh, wishing him well. Jeff Jeff Bezos is uh, planned from what I can see, and and NASA is is going to be using um, his rocket when he's, uh, his new Glenn rocket, when he's got it up and running, um, is he's going to launch from a rocket, the traditional, more, I guess you could say traditional, more historical style, which is space capsule on top of a rocket carrying its passengers up to around 62 miles above the Earth's surface, and then uh, another brief period of weightlessness, and then they come back down. You know, to me personally, it, it seems very similar, but I imagine that the ride up has to be drastically different because our astronauts tell us that, you know, when they're strapped to a rocket, especially a solid rocket, that's that's a rough that's a rough ride. Wow. Um, at least in the initial part. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know about, uh, you know, what, what he's you know, what, what it's like to ride. in. in I, I guess nobody does because they haven't had anybody actually fly in their capsule, but Jeff Bezos is going to be the first to fly in his own um, uh, capsule uh, on the on the new Shepard rocket. So it'll be interesting. You know, it, it, what I think, and you talk about the billionaires saying all the right things. What's interesting to me is it really seems like, this is me talking, that these men generally are rooting for each other. Yes, they're competitive. Uh, in in many ways, right? They wouldn't be where they are, were where they are if they weren't. But I really think that they genuinely want access to space to increase. They want uh, the low Earth economy, just like NASA wants to promote that and build that and see it thrive. I think they all genuinely want right. that, and so you know, while they have a little fun with it, I think they do really truly. Uh, root each other on. What, are the, uh, what is the proposed budget for NASA from the Biden administration? And don't you think China being there with their probe, which they probably stole from us, uh, don't you think that gets a new urgency to getting somebody on Mars and back to the moon? Well, let me take the first part of that question. And the NASA budget proposed by the White House is $24.8 billion dollars. Um, that's far less in terms of percentage of GDP than it was during the Apollo program, um, less than 1%, I think. Um, and so uh, this budget, though, is 6% more than the previous budget, and it focuses on a lot of areas that are important to this administration. Earth science is one of them. Um, it continues the Artemis program, which is going back to the moon and landing uh, the first woman and um, the, the first person of color on the moon. And, and so it has those priorities in it. Now we give it to Congress and, and we ask them to fund it. And they, they take it up and, and, and discuss it and, and, and ask us questions about it. And so we're hoping for uh, a lot of support in the halls of Congress for it. Um, 
with regards to to China, you know, that's pretty much set in stone in terms of what we can do with China. Congress has made a law that says we can't um, collaborate with China. Um, and that's that's just kind of where it begins and ends, right? Uh, well, we and, can compete. Know, NASA, Are they ahead of us? You know, I, I wouldn't say that they're ahead, but I'd say that they are exploring the moon, right? They're getting ready to uh, land another probe on the south side of the moon, I believe I read. And so what we would love, we would love if they would share whatever science they learn about the moon. Because here's the important thing, Brian. Hey, Daryl, forget it. Daryl, you can't trust them. They, they steal all the technology. You cannot be sharing with China. It, it would be our hope that they would open up what they have, right? Let all scientists, let all researchers look at the data that they have that they found on the moon, if they were to open it up, right? And, and this is where the record of our universe lies. It lies in that rock that spins, you know, that orbits around our Earth. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm hoping for the best in this situation, but uh, understandably, where the rubber meets the road, where the government has and the Congress has said, no, uh, we will not be collaborating or cooperating. I believe the intent of the bill speaks to what you just said. Right. And finally, uh, we're going to go back to the, what is what is the schedule? When are we going to be walking on the moon again, Daryl, when you talk to the experts at NASA? What, what do they tell the politicians? So we're still aiming for 2024, and that's the date that we put out um, a couple years ago. Um, is it ambitious? Yes. Um, it's aggressive? Yes. Um, but this is, this is big, Brian. Going back to the moon is huge. And yes, we did it before, but now technology has advanced so much that we're now taking new technologies and implementing them into this rocket and spacecraft that are going to help us but we also need to understand how they're going to perform. So right now, inside the Vehicle Assembly Building, we have the Space Launch System rocket. It is stacking, Brian, right now. It's got a core stage, two side boosters. We just put the interim cryogenic propulsion stage, which that's the stage that's going to push us all the way to the moon. We just put that on top. The next step is to eventually put the Orion capsule on the top. We're going to send that capsule around the moon on a test flight, either late this year or early next year, get back all that data, make improvements, make some changes, and then look for a test flight with astronauts a year after that flight. And then the hope is by the third flight that we put astronaut boots on the moon wow. in 2024. And now, bring of course, it's space. It's hard. Schedule may slip, but... But that's at least what we're targeting in this moment. That's well, that's good. And can you imagine with the video quality we're going to have now compared to the 1960s? It's going to almost feel like we're there. Uh, Daryl, thanks ah, so can much. Can you imagine? Yeah. We'll yeah. talk to you next week after Jeff Bezos does it, all right? Sounds good. Come down and see us again. Absolutely, Daryl. Thank you. Daryl Nail, uh, launch commentator for NASA, as knowledgeable as it gets. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.